0: I came here to challenge this conference I pray that the Lord will help me the hour is late the time is short I don't want to preach just another sermon I want to say something that is relevant and that will that will really make a difference tonight if the Holy Ghost will help me we may not shout I don't know what we'll do but I hope that by the time we leave here tonight that uh, we will know that God has spoken to us I'm reading in the book of Acts chapter 4 Acts chapter 4 and verse number 23 kind of a lengthy scripture reading but I uh, will impose on your patience for just a few moments. Nothing like the Word of God anyway. <clears throat> the Bible says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David has said. Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for of a truth against thy holy child Jesus whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done and now Lord behold their threatenings And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one accord, one heart, and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according to as he had need and Joses, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas which is being interpreted the son of consolation a Levite and of the country of Cyprus having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles feet you may not understand my subject or my title here at the beginning I hope you will at the end but I want to talk to you for a little while this evening, if the Lord will help me, about a return to apostolic supremacy. A return to apostolic supremacy. Would you lift your hands one more time and ask God to help us. Lord, I thank you for everything we have received from you these days. For your word that has already been imparted to us, what we have felt, the fellowship of the saints, all of the good blessings. But I ask one more time that you would manifest yourself in this house through the preached word of God. Lord, that you would grant me your anointing. I am not worthy, I am not adequate, I am not sufficient, and without you I can do nothing. Help me, Lord, one more time to faithfully represent your will. We'll praise and thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. I want to say right off from the beginning one more time that I am thankful I am thankful and proud to be apostolic. I am glad to be a part of a church that has endured for over 2,000 years and has withstood everything that the enemy has thrown against it and is still alive and well tonight. This church did not begin in the early 1900s at Azusa Street. It began in an upper room on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. And it has survived until this day. Well did the builder, the master builder say, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it he threw down the gauntlet and didn't even break a sweat because he knew that with all that the enemy had it would not be sufficient to defeat or destroy this great church that we are a part of tonight as the song says it has been through the flood and the flood has not drowned or overflowed it it has been through the fire and the fire has not burned it it has been through many wars but it's never been defeated i'm talking about the church of the living god it has not only survived but it also has thrived it's not on the decline it's on the incline it's not going down it's going up in jesus name in jesus name And. I feel like tonight that we can, as a part of the church, boast in some measure of many accomplishments. I think that we can be thankful and grateful for the fact that uh, for the most part we have preserved the message that was given to us by the apostles. That though many have compromised and sold out and given in to the pressure from the world That there is still, amen, a group of believers that are not going to give any quarter, not going to back up, not going to give in, not going to yield, and not going to compromise on this great apostolic message. Praise the Lord, I would like to believe that right here this evening if some of the early Christians and some of the early apostles were to walk into this house, though their surroundings might uh, be surprising to them, that they would feel right at home in this atmosphere, that they would feel comfortable in this kind of worship that they would feel comfortable in this kind of preaching that when they hear what we are preaching they would say that's what we started out with that's what we meant for it to be thank God for people amen that have committed and dedicated themselves to the preservation of this apostolic truth and I think that we have also made other great strides i think that we have more now than we have ever had we have more materially than there has ever been possible in the church down through the centuries and and we have more beautiful buildings than we've ever had we sit in one that is magnificent and and gorgeous and, and astounding to to look at and be a part of and 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 worship in here tonight and and uh pentecost has uh for the most part uh come from the other side of the tracks and and many of us worship in beautiful buildings and carpeted floors and padded pews and all of the electronic stuff and 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 instruments and music and and uh and and all of our comfortable surroundings i i i thank god for it i i I want old time religion, but I'm glad for some of the modern stuff that we have To Thank God for air conditioning and thank God for heating. I grew up on the mission field and we never had any of that. And I can tell you, I'm thankful for it. I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not swatting mosquitoes tonight. And I'm glad we're not stomping around in sawdust and all of that. Thank God for the achievements and the accomplishments that we have made. Can I get a witness in the house? Besides that, I think we have more talent today in Pentecost than we've ever seen. Some of the finest musicians, we've heard some of them here tonight, and some of the finest singing, and we've heard some of that tonight. I think that Pentecost doesn't have to drop its head uh, to any of the talent that's in the world. Amen. We've got wonderful, great, and dedicated talent in the church today. Praise the Lord. We've got more education. We've got more abilities. We've got more skills available in the church today than there has ever been. Along with that, we've got some of the most eloquent preaching, I think, that has ever been heard in the history of Pentecost. Amen. Powerful preachers, articulate preachers that preach masterpieces and leave us with our mouths hanging open. And some of that has happened even here at this camp meeting. Praise the Lord. I thank God for all of these strides and all of these achievements and all of these accomplishments. I hope, however, that we will never forget, amen, that there is no substitute for anointing. I don't care how much music we have, how much talent we have, how much eloquence we have, how much ability we have. We still need that Holy Ghost power that Brother Joyner was preaching about out. We still need that anointing. There's nothing more damaging and more damnable to the church than unconsecrated talent. Amen. Uh, If you're talented, thank God for it. But don't you get up here and show off your carnality and your worldliness and try, amen, to bring the world in with you. Amen. Get a consecration. Get a relationship with God and then get up to sing. With all that I'm grateful, with all that I'm thankful for tonight, I confess that there are still other areas that I feel we are woefully lacking in, that we are still way behind in what the Lord had intended for the church. Amen. And you're just going to have to bear with me here a little while tonight. I'm just going to express my heart and you may or may not agree with me but i I read some scriptures that still bother me i read some passages that still disturb me when i read for instance in mark chapter 11 and verse 22 when jesus said have faith in god and he went on to say and whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and he said and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe amen he shall have whatsoever he saith I don't know about you, but uh, uh, we, we we quote it and we read it and it, it feels good when we say it. But uh, I just confess to you that I, I haven't seen near as many mountains removed as I'd like to see. and when I read in John chapter 14 and verse 12 and Jesus said he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do now don't get me wrong and don't don't get too quiet because you've wondered the same thing amen he said and greater works than these shall have you read the Gospels lately You read what went on there? And Jesus said, these works shall he do and greater works. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen here and there. I'm, I'm not saying that there isn't a miracle, a this or that here or there. But I just have trouble believing and accepting that we are experiencing this on the level that Jesus was talking about. Amen or mark chapter 16 when he said and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name shall they cast out devils lay hands on the sick they shall recover and we might say well it's happening a little here and it's happening i understand that it is happening and it does happen amen but i can't help believing that he meant for it to happen a whole lot more than it is happening I came to say some things that are not easy to say. I came to challenge this assembly tonight. Oh, we can juke and jive and all of that and talk about power. But you know what? If it's not translating into action around us, there's something missing. We remind you about the day of Pentecost. We've heard about it several times already. Amen. It had been a promise they would be endued with power. With power from on high. Didn't say they would be endued with speaking in tongues. Although that is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It said power. It said power. And with this power we would be witnesses. Witnesses. I told you I wasn't going to preach for applause, you can sit there and look at me or whatever you want to do. Amen. But that's what he said. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. How? Because they would see the same manifestation of what they saw in him, in us. And when the Holy Ghost did fall. On the day of Pentecost, they didn't stay up in the upper room, amen, uh, slapping each other on the back and go, whoa, and shaking a leg. But they came out of that upper room to the streets below and out onto the streets until a crowd began to assemble. A large multitude of people, amen, so that uh, they got the attention of 17 different nationalities that were represented there that day and it caused them to ask the question, What meaneth this? What is going on here? Hallelujah, and we know what Peter answered whenever he took that as his cue and somebody said they they must be drunk Because they were acting apostolic kind of like some folks were acting around here tonight Amen, and he said these are not drunk as you suppose But this is that which was spoken of by the Prophet Joel saying in the last days saith God I will pour I will pour I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. See visions. And he went on to say, amen, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath. I'm not making this up. That's part of the prophecy. Hallelujah. Amen. And he went ahead and preached as as Brother Urshan preached last night about Jesus. And when when he was done, they said, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And here comes, here comes the words, amen, that change the course of history. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you, every one of you, 17 different nationalities represented every one of you it's the same message it's the same message for jew it's the same message for gentiles It's the same message for Europeans, it's the same message for Asians, it's the same message for Middle Easterns, it's the same message for Africans, it's the same message for North and South Americans, it's the same message for Australians, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. And the same day, the same day, the same day, there were added unto them three thousand about this number right here in one day come on lift your hands and ask God to help us here tonight hallelujah hallelujah Praise God. Things started hopping. You hear me? Things started happening. And be seated. It's not many days before Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. And they encounter a lame man sitting by the gate, beautiful. And he he, he stopped, and paused long enough that the lame man, uh, he kind of got, uh, he, he kind of noticed that they were stopping and 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 Peter said look on us and the lame man gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them and Peter said silver and gold have I none but I'll tell you this much we're going to be praying for you we're going to the church right now and we're going to be praying for you we'll add your name to the prayer request we'll mention your name in prayer don't fall out with me now Peter said silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I unto thee in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise up and walk reached down and took him by the hand, and he leaping up stood. He leaping up stood and went with them, running and walking into the temple. I don't know about you, brethren, but I want that apostolic authority. I'm tired of telling people, I'll pray for you. I'm ready to start saying in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up! A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, uh, we got carnal and went to Branson for a few days, and we ended up at that sinful place called Silver Dollar City, and, and uh, where where your wives can spend all kinds of money. And and I don't know what was going on, but there was a little group of people uh, there, and I was standing, I don't remember what it was, and and I turned around to walk away and right behind me there was one of those special wheelchairs and there was a little boy laying in it he was about nine or ten years old maybe and you could, you could, visit, you could see easily he was a total invalid just a human vegetable and drool was running from his mouth But when I turned and looked at him, tears, silent tears were pouring from his eyes. I still can't talk about it today. And when I saw that image, it grabbed me. I'm telling you, it grabbed me. A knife went through my heart. And I stood there, and I didn't want to embarrass the family, and so I walked away. But for the rest of the day, the tears streamed. Down my face and for many days after that I could not get that image out of my mind amen, I'm going to just confess to you I felt ashamed I felt ashamed because I wanted so much at that moment to say such as I have give I unto you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise up and walk And somebody's thinking right now, you can't think that way. Why not? We have the same power. We have the same Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. I'm starting to feel something here tonight. Shouldn't we expect more today? Isn't the need greater today than it's ever been? And, and I I'm, don't think I'm going charismatic here tonight. And, and I'm not going to join up with hen or any of the other chickens. So don't worry about it. You know by now how I feel about this message. But why shouldn't we expect more miracles in these gatherings? Why shouldn't cancers be healed here tonight? Why shouldn't sugar diabetes be healed here tonight? Why shouldn't rheumatism and all sorts of other things be healed here tonight? We've got such a beautiful place, all this great stuff going on, all this great music, all this great preaching, and all this talk about power. Where is apostolic authority? I know. Careful, careful, Brother Alviar, you're going to get out on a limb. you going to get out on a limb. I'll get out on that limb, bless God. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be egotistical. If we are apostolic like they were apostolic, why shouldn't it happen right here tonight? Let me tell you what happened as a result of that one miracle. 5,000 more men were added to the church in the same city. 5,000 more added to the church in the same city amen what it did was it got the attention of the city leaders and they didn't come out to congratulate them they didn't come out to show their support they come they came out to oppose them and they ended up taking uh peter and john and putting them in prison and and setting a a a hearing for them and and people gather around and and they are now being challenged to declare on what authority that they could just go around healing people like that without any kind of license, without any kind of permit. And you know the story Peter ends up saying if we're being examined, the the reason why this man is standing before you whole, Let let me just tell you, it was by the name of Jesus. And while we're on the subject, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want you city fathers and community leaders and, and people of authority to understand there is a name that is higher than your authority. And if you want to be saved, it's still got to be in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. There was a conviction in them that this was the only message. They didn't stutter. They didn't stammer. They didn't beat around the bush. Neither is there salvation in any other. You've got to be convinced of this message. You've got to have a conviction about this message and that's when they were let go and they go back among the company of believers who by now numbers thousands and they reported all of that and that's when they got together and had the prayer meeting that i read about tonight and their prayer their prayer was for an increase in boldness and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. That's what they prayed for. Praise the Lord. And the result is that the Bible says, Amen. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Everybody say, Multitude. 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 Started with 120 in the upper room, but now it is a multitude. And then the Bible says, and great, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great peace was upon them all. I guess so, if you had seen a man brutally murdered in the manner in which Jesus had been crucified, one of the most horrendous known to man in that time, and you had participated in his burial and known that he was absolutely dead, his body was cold and lifeless, and rigor mortis had set in, and they stretched him out on the slab and put him in the tomb and rolled the stone in place and three days later he is standing in the midst of them saying fear not it is I I got this under control oh nobody would be able to stop you either From telling everybody I saw a man die and I saw him rise again and he is alive and well with great power and you say well we didn't see that we were not witnesses we were not present so we don't have the same testimony I beg to differ with you I may not have seen Jesus crucified and Jesus rose again but I've seen people come to an altar dead in trespasses and sins and bound by addictions and habits and all forms of spiritual imprisonment and I have seen this message work and change their lives and many of them are you standing here today you know what we ought to be doing with great power giving witness of this resurrection power that we have clap your hands unto the Lord Everybody still with me? There was following that, a dedication and a concentration of their goods with the purpose of not only the meeting the need among the believers, but to get this message out chapter 2 verse 44 the Bible said they had all things common in this passage they sold lands and houses and brought the money and laid at the apostles feet not for their own self aggrandizement but so this message could get out and then, and I'm not please don't don't take that wrong here tonight I think that any good faithful man of God is worthy Of whatever blessings God may bestow upon him but as a preacher I never want to forget that this is not about me this is not about me this is about this great message it's about this truth it's about this Holy Ghost power And so they did that. And the result was that there was a rapid escalation and growth of the church. Yes, there was. In chapter 5, the Bible says in verse 14, and believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, everybody say multitudes, of both men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits we don't have any more of that anymore do we and vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed EVERYONE I didn't write that that's in the book of Acts we can sidestep it, dodge around it do whatever we want, but it's in there multitudes of men and women and they brought many sick folks and folks vexed with devils and they were healed EVERYONE In verse 28 of that same chapter, they were accused of filling Jerusalem with their doctrine. Their entire city being filled with their doctrine. When the Bible says that Philip went to Samaria and he preached there, the result was there was great joy in that city. Not just in some houses here or there, but there was great joy in that city. I knew you'd start getting uncomfortable right around here, but that's all right. I'm reading what the Bible says. In chapter 6, verse 7 And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great number of the priests. We're obedient unto the faith. Man, if we could have a hundred soul revival again, we'd let everybody know about it. Oh yeah, we'd make phone calls all over. Folks would come to to see. Folks would come to investigate uh, because it's almost become a rarity anymore to have a hundred soul revival. I'm talking about 3,000 then 5,000, then multitudes, and a whole city, amen, being taken by this great apostolic message. In chapter 24 and verse 5, when Tertullus was accusing Paul before Felix, he said, we have found this man a pestilent fellow and a mover of sedition among all the Jews Throughout the world. And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. In chapter 17 and verse 6, when Paul was at Thessalonica, it was said about him, These that have turned the world upside down have come hither also. I'm talking about a return to apostolic supremacy. in chapter 26 and verse 26 when paul was before agrippa he said i am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him from agrippa for this thing was not done in a corner it was never meant to be done in a corner We could talk about the impact of this gospel in other great cities of that time in which riots resulted and there were tumultuous things happening and mobs running through the streets. Amen. Right now, maybe some, some, uh, uh, civic leaders might be worried. The man is inciting riot. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you, this gospel has the power to impact society in such a way. ball-legged, a bow-legged and ball-headed preacher walks into Ephesus armed with nothing brother Urshan but the word, the word and before it's over with, amen, that whole city is being shaken by the gospel and some historians say that by the time the growth of the church at Ephesus leveled out, it numbered over 100,000 believers. Praise the Lord. I visited Rome too a few years ago and I went into one of the catacombs almost within a stone's throw of the uh, Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls where Paul was supposed to have been beheaded. And this catacomb has four levels underground, four stories underground, excavated by hand. And our guides told us that there were 250,000 tombs in that one catacomb that were used again and again amen brother booker talked to the ministers this morning about paul going before caesar there was something about this brother when it landed in rome it hit like an atom bomb and later on we read about those that were in caesar's own household amen you know where caesar's household was it was right on the edge of the Circus Maximus where they had the great chariot races and our guide said it is said that many of the martyrs uh, back in those days died in the great Colosseum, but it was not. It was here in the Circus Maximus. All Caesar had to do was walk out on his balcony and look down and he could watch as hundreds and thousands of Christians were martyred and executed and ripped limb from limb and devoured by wild beasts and go in and eat his lunch and take a nap. Amen. But you know what? It didn't stop the growth of this great church. They lit up the Appian Way with their corpses on fire at night, and still it grew until one catacomb could house a grave for 250,000. Jesus' name baptized, Holy Ghost filled, apostolic believers in Rome. They did it without modern transportation. They did it without modern technology. They did it without all of the helps that we have nowadays. Amen. And yet this gospel spread rapidly on a global scale. On a global scale. On a global scale. scale. and we can say well we're living in different times things are different now yeah things are different now but it's not all out there that is different now you know what it's time for us to stop making excuses and it's time for us to stop blaming everything on our times and blaming our lack of progress sometimes on all of the false religions and on, amen, the, the, uh, uh, the, chokehold that a lot of that has on people and and the materialism of our society and all of the technology and all the entertainment that we're having to struggle against i'm not saying it's not a challenge i'm not saying it's not a struggle oh i came to preach here a little while tonight but it's not as though the apostles had smooth sailing either They were being persecuted. They were being martyred. Their homes were taken away from them. Their properties were confiscated. Their families were divided. They were imprisoned for the rest of their lives. Many of them were executed. That went on even with Paul's consent before he became a convert. Did it slow the church? Did it bring it to a halt? Did it dampen their zeal and their enthusiasm? No, it just fired it up that much more. Yes, we have our challenges, but so did they. You know what it behooves us to do? Get down on our knees and say, God, how do we get through this? Here's our barriers, here's our walls, here's our difficulties. Y'all still with me tonight? Amen. And so we can't, we can't just blame it on all that. Well, folks are so hard hearted now, and and people's attention span and, and this and that. These are challenges, but they are not impediments, not to this apostolic power that I'm talking about. Woo! Hallelujah! Amen. We also cannot go around blaming it on a great falling away. Bible says it'd be a great falling away the love of many would wax cold and all of these things I understand that that only is meaningful if that's talking about you but here's what my Bible says in the last days some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils some but not all somebody's hearts gonna wax cold but not mine Somebody's going to backslide, but not me. Somebody's going to rebel and walk away, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, let me tell you something. Amen. If it's true that we are not That these things that we read about are not possible in our day? I grew up on the mission field. And I saw some of this firsthand on a much bigger scale than I've seen it in America. Amen. Granted, the gospel was new and fresh in many of those areas. And they weren't dealing with old school church people that were so set in their ways they couldn't even lift their hands to say praise the Lord, like some of you. But I remember many times having to cast devils out of people before we could pray them through to the Holy Ghost. And you think demon possession is only on the foreign land? It's in America too what's got a lot of folks bound, devices and habits. They need the devil cast out of them. They need somebody with apostolic authority to say, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him. You mean to tell me that I have to look at my sons now and tell them and apologize to them? Sorry sons, but you're never going to see it on this wise. And your children, little Jonathan Ray, three years old, sorry buddy, you're never going to see it on this wise. These things don't happen anymore. It just doesn't happen like that anymore. Oh, think what you will, but I'm not going to stand here and apologize to them. I'm going to say, if the Holy Ghost we have is the same Holy Ghost they had, we can have it too! Now, I don't deny that we have to waste so much time, amen, keeping stupid trans out of the church. And preaching about a whole lot of stuff we shouldn't have to waste any time on. I wish we didn't have to take time to talk about skinny jeans and tight skirts and split skirts and short skirts low cut necklines and cut hair and dyed hair and all the other junk. Why don't you get an old-fashioned consecration and fall in love with Jesus and get in here and live for God and do a work for God? Why should we have to spend so much time trying to get folks in the prayer room and get folks to worship God just a little bit and trying to find just the right song that'll finally connect with them so they'll go, all right. No siree, it's when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't have to browbeat Holy Ghost-filled people to be in prayer, in the prayer room and pray out and worship out and get behind the preaching. Let's just get full of the Holy Ghost. Well, let me be fair here tonight. Let me be fair also and say this. I'm looking around here and I see a bunch of wonderful and beautiful looking godly apostolic young people they're not all gonna backslide all the young ladies aren't gonna cut their hair off and go out and put on britches oh that was kinda really timid come on y'all these are your kids up here they're not all gonna try to bring GQ and cosmopolitan fashions into the church Some of them are going to get a consecration. Some of them are going to get a prayer life. Some of them are going to get on fire for God. Yes, they will. They're not all going to be fornicators and adulterers and immoral and perverted. Amen. They're going to dedicate and consecrate their temple unto the Lord. Yes, they will. I don't care how many punk rockers there are out there. I don't care what kind of pressure is coming from the world. There's going to be some in church schools and some in public schools that are going to live the life and let their light shine. Why should we have to spend so much time trying to reconvince the same people to fall in love with God? or that they made a good deal by coming to church. How many thousands of sermons have some of us heard and we still come to church dragging, I'm so discouraged, pray for me, I'll make it all the way through. You've heard enough preaching to save the world. Come on, get a backbone, get a backbone and strap on the whole armor of God and get ready to rumble. In Jesus' name, I hope I get a blessing. I hope I get a touch. I hope I feel some doodads and goose pimples. It's not about you, honey. It's about him. I've got to hurry. Amen. Here's some real causes. Praise the Lord. We love our lifestyle too much. We like our toys and our gadgets too much. Oh yeah, we we love our expensive hobbies too much. And, and, uh, And we love our recreation and we love our entertainment and it's almost sacred to us and we don't want anybody to touch it. Oh, we may have the same Holy Ghost, but do we have the same passion? Don't get me wrong, I thank God for the generosity that is in America. From the United States, amen, thousands and millions of dollars goes to missions all over the world. Thank God for sacrificial giving and for liberality in giving among God's people. But we can do more. There I put my $5 and $10 in the missionary offering. I hope that satisfies them. I don't want to get on that tonight, but I'm just saying, we love our lifestyle too much. Praise the Lord. Here's something else. We get too caught up in meaningless debates. Some of us can talk for endless hours about the latest a great trial du jour that's going on. Some of us, amen, can can state our position on the recent George Zimmerman trial and wear everybody else out. Oh, we can talk politics and and, and we can, and, oh, we are well-versed on all of that. But to step out of our comfort zone and witness to somebody... You know what? I could care less what Rush Limbaugh is saying these days. I don't listen to him anymore. And Sean Hannity anyway, either. It's a waste of time. I don't care what they say and what their position is. I know what my position as an apostolic is. That's all I care about. Oh, we get all hot and bothered, listen to the Ash We need to get on fire with apostolic zeal. That's what some of us preachers are doing. We like to get the the newest trendy books and read them. So that when we have conversations, we can sow our conversations with all these neat little thoughts that we've picked up from these trendy little books. And we build sermons around them and everything else. Whatever happened to preach the word, the instant in season and out of season. I told you, if this is my last chance to ever preach, this is what I want to go down preaching. Preach the word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. I agree, there's too much pop psychology going out over these pulpits. There is no substitute and there is no replacement for the preached Word of God. I've preached this almost every year for the last several years here, so I'm just going to say it one more time. All these new ideas and all these fandangled notions that we pick up, the Bible still says it. It pleased God that by the foolishness of preaching, you can have all your dramas, you can have all your this and that. I'm not preaching against that, but keep it in its place. There is no substitute for the Word. And we need to get sold out on this Acts 238 message. I mean sold out. Not making any room, amen, for grandma or auntie or uncle or anybody else. We just got to stand on the Word. Just stand on the Word. And there's still, there's still just one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord... Our God is one Lord. How can anybody grow up in a one God church and go feel comfortable in a charismatic Trinitarian church? There is just one God. And Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And His name, His name, His name is. His name is. His name is. Clap your hands unto that name. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus said to Philip, Philip, Have I been so long time with you and yet thou hast not known me when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And in another place, I and my Father are. I and my Father are. We still ought to get excited about one God preaching. Jesus' name preaching. And there's still only one way to be saved. You've got to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ladies and gentlemen, this isn't a message. It isn't the best message. It is the only message. We cannot afford to slack in our responsibility if, if, y'all listen to me now, if we really believe what you just shouted to, if this is the only message, we have an immense responsibility. We are the only hope this world has. The only hope. Y'all going to stay with me a few more minutes? Just a few more minutes. I want to show you why there is such a need for a return to apostolic supremacy. Let me show you the challenge that we are up against. Everybody listening? All eyes up here. All ears attuned. There are 7 billion people in this world. 7 billion people in this world. Any of which, if they go to hell, It is a tremendous tragedy and yet the majority of them as you know have never heard what you and I have heard and shout about they've never been exposed to what we're feeling around here and somebody's thinking right now oh here comes the guilt trip no I didn't come to indict I didn't come to put people on a guilt trip I came to challenge 7 billion people. I looked it up. Here's a list of the 10 largest countries in the world. China, 1.3 billion people. That's 1,300 million people. India, 1.2 billion people. The USA comes in at a distant third, at 314 million people. Indonesia, 249 million people. Brazil, where I grew up, 194 million. Now, I understand that these figures may differ according to the uh, surveys that you look up, but this is what I picked up. Pakistan, 190. Million people, Nigeria 170 million people, Bangladesh 161 million people, Russia 143 million, Japan 127 million crammed onto that small island for a total of 4.1 billion of the world's 7 billion people in 10 countries alone. Here's a list of the world's 10 largest cities. Tokyo, Japan, 37 million. That means that you could take the United States' largest state, population-wise, California, and put it inside one city, the entire state. One city. Jakarta, Indonesia, 26 million Seoul, South Korea, 22.5 million, Delhi, India, 22.2 million, Shanghai, China, 20.8 million, Manila, Philippines, 20.7 million, Karachi, Pakistan, 20.7, Sao Paulo, Brazil, where I grew up, 20.2 million, Mexico City, 19.5 19.5 million, Cairo, Egypt, 17.8 million. For a grand total, 10 cities, a grand total of 228 million people coursing through freeways, crowding boulevards and avenues, filling by-rails and Scads of people that we cannot even begin to imagine. And every one of them is headed for eternity. Maybe my least popular message ever preached, but it's what I feel burning in my soul and I feel it of the Holy Ghost. We talk about us Pentecostals. One of the largest Pentecostal organizations in the world is the United Pentecostal Church International. I got this off of their website. With their many, many churches, over 30-some thousand churches and preaching points and I don't know how many thousands, tens of thousands of licensed ministers worldwide and 800 and some missionaries around the world, they, they have a total constituency of three million people. Three. Three. That is equal to half of the metro, Atlanta metro area in the United States, which is our country's 11th largest city. Half of Atlanta would be equal to the entire constituency of the United Pentecostal Church International. I also read that there are some worldwide 24, estimated 24 million Oneness Pentecostals. Woo! Thank God for everyone. 24 million. Put that up against the world's three largest religions. And that is Muslims 1.6 billion. And growing rapidly every day. The fastest growing religious segment in the world are Muslims 1.6 billion. 1.2 1.2 billion Catholics and 1.1 billion Hindus for a total of 3.9 billion of the world's 7 billion in population are in those three religions alone and one is Pentecostals boast 24 million. Amen. Praise God. And right now, nobody's shouting. But I came here tonight to speak for almost 7 billion people in this world that are hell-bound. They cannot communicate with us through their language. We would not understand them. But their cries are coming out to us. And they would have me say to this conference, is it all right in one service, in one camp meeting, to say, church, we have got a job to do. Can we hear the Macedonian call coming from the teeming masses that says, come and help us. Come and help us. Amen. I was told by an elder a few years ago after I had had a discussion on this very topic, and I poured out my heart. It was a group of preachers, and we were just in discussion, and I poured out my heart on this very subject. I'm not trying to intim- insinuate that I have a greater burden than anybody else, but This does bother me. I confess to you that it bothers me. And after I poured my heart out on this subject and we were walking out and down, amen, to go get something to eat, an old elder put his arm around my shoulder and I respect him. I'm not saying this to discredit him, but he said, Brother Alviar, you've got to let it go or it will eat you alive. If it was your family, would you want somebody to let it go? If it was your people, would you want somebody to let it go? Oh, there's tremendous pressure on me right now. Say something that'll get us juking and jiving, but I'm here to challenge this congregation here tonight. I'm telling you, there is a need for a return to apostolic supremacy. You know what supremacy means? Total, absolute power and authority. If the apostles in the early days, in a matter of 30 years or more, amen, could reach their entire world, why can't we make a bigger impact on our world? The apostles prayed for boldness. Boldness is, amen, defined as not fearful in the face of actual or possible danger. Courageous or daring. And here's a good one not hesitating to break the rules of propriety. That means we got to think outside the box. That means we got to get outside of our comfort zone. That means we got to quit just coming to church and having church as usual. The world needs this gospel. It is the only option that is left open to us. Amen. The days of timidity are over. We must, we must, we must get this out. We must get this out. You say, how? I don't know how. But somehow we've got to pray for that same authority and that same power that the apostles had. Even here in this prayer, it spoke about kings and rulers. It shook nations. It shook whole cities. Why shouldn't we be impacting our cities, in our states, in our nations? I'll fish with a fishing pole if I have to. But the time is short. It's time to fish with a net. That may be viewed as the most dangerous thing that I've said. I'm not talking about compromising this truth. But if it had the power to bring me in multitudes and shake whole cities, then why not now? We need to pray that somehow our vision will be enlarged and then we need to throw everything we have into the task. It's up to us as we all stand tonight. And there's a sobering atmosphere, a spirit that has settled on this congregation. I like to end the meeting on a high note. This may not be the same kind of high note that we are used to, but we are going to end this CAP meeting on a note that will give hope to thousands and millions. Something I believe is going to be born here tonight. Something is going to be changed here tonight mindsets and mentalities and viewpoints and visions are going to be altered here tonight that will result in the salvation of many millions of people it will begin here tonight as musicians come this congregation moves into an attitude of prayer Could this be a signal moment? Could this be a turning point? Could the call of God reach into a heart here tonight? Oh, never independent of your ministry and your pastorate and your leadership, I understand that. But could the call of God fall into somebody's heart here tonight? Could God raise up out of this assembly an evangelist, a missionary that will shake their world? Why not? Why not? Some are already coming to pray. I would like for these to kind of move some of these folding chairs out of the way. We're going to have a different ending here tonight. Let's do this without too much distraction. Keep your focus on me. I want as many ministers as possible to fill this platform behind me. If you would, please. If you're out there in the congregation, you want to come up here and join us, I want as many ministers as possible to fill this platform. Come on quickly, brethren, quickly. And I want this space that's being opened up here to be filled with people who right now feel a tremendous burden on their heart. That will step out and commit yourself. I am going to quit just going through the motions and going to church just to enjoy church. I want God to put this in me so strong that I'll become a witness and a soul winner. Who knows but what the one you win might become the next Apostle Paul. Who knows but what the one you win, maybe you'll never preach a message, but they will become a powerful evangelist. They might be on crack right now. They might be an alcoholic right now. They might be a hippie right now. Is this okay for camp meeting? There are thousands out there right now that are without hope, that are depending on us, getting a burden and a vision here tonight. And the Bible says that they prayed, that they prayed and they prayed that with all boldness they would speak and that signs and wonders would be done in the name of Jesus. You don't need a successful outreach program as much as you just need apostolic supremacy happening in your town folks that are dying with fatal illnesses being healed lives transformed devils cast out and they prayed a prayer and the place where they were was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I wonder if we have enough power here tonight, enough burden and enough vision here tonight for everyone, saints and ministers alike, to lift our hands and pray and say, God, do it again! Do it again! cities upside down save them by the hundreds save them by the thousands shake whole communities let fires begin to burn in these in these large cities in these great countries taken over with paganism idolatry and false doctrine. God, let this message get a hold of them. I'll give my time. I'll give my energy. I'll give my talent. I'll give my money. I'll convert my assets. I'll do whatever it takes. Can we believe that this great house could be shaken yet tonight? as the holy ghost would fall from heaven what about what about all those come on we're still too timid we're praying for boldness let's pray boldly for boldness let's pray boldly for boldness lift up your voices cry out to the lord in the spirit world tonight. Let's to shake God. something loose.